Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. All right, another podcast week. Total honor, like my... I, like, I just feel total, like, joy and aliveness in my body right now having this guest on today, and I'm sure this conversation is going to be amazing. Um, today, we have Rana Barar with us, and she wrote a piece that was published in Rewire, which I stumbled across and read and thought, you know, I couldn't have written this exactly, but so many things in here I could have written exactly. So I knew immediately there was a bit of a soul sistership there, and we will release the reading of that piece the same week we release this podcast um, for you to hear. But I want to see where this conversation today leads us. So welcome here. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Oh my gosh. I love it. Um, we talked all things before we started recording about moms, being moms and internet and <laughs> devices and logging on and all the things seem to be aligned for us to have this conversation. So yeah, here absolutely. we are. Let's talk about all the things, all the things abortion and um how beautiful and complicated and under talked about and necessary it is. So can you start by just introducing yourself and where, how you see yourself in the world, yeah. in the abortion conversation? What are the pieces of it for you? Yeah. Um, well, thanks again for having me. This is um, really exciting and it's uh, great to finally meet you. Yeah. Um, I, so, yeah, so I, you know, have for the past almost about 11 years um, been in the field of abortion research. Mm. I, for 10 years, ran um, a big study called the Turnaway Study. Um, and uh, luckily for all the people, um, there's a great book out called the Turnaway Study, 10 Years a Thousand Women and the Consequences of Having and Being Denied an Abortion by my dear friend, um, Dr. Diana Green Foster. Um, so that project was really sparked by um, a question about whether, whether abortion harms women, right? That was the narrative at the time. Um, the narrative was about abortion harming women. And um, the, the Turnaway study followed a thousand women, some of whom got abortions and some of whom were turned away because they were past the gestational age of the clinic. Um, so a thousand women from 30 abortion clinics in 21 states. Um, and we interviewed them every six months for five years. So it was a really large, really ambitious study. 
to undertake and really um, the first to be able to compare the outcomes of women who had abortions with women who were, were not able to get a wanted abortion. Previous studies had looked at women who wanted abortion, who got abortions compared to all women or women who carried, uh, you know, um, wanted pregnancies to term. Really, when you're faced with an unwanted pregnancy, with your, when you're faced with the decision uh, of whether or not to have an abortion, your choice is not to have an abortion or to not be pregnant. <laughs> or your choice is to have an abortion or to carry the pregnancy to term. Yeah. Um, and so um, we really wanted to look at that question. Um, and what we found um, was that women know the circumstances of their lives. Women mm. are the experts in their own lives. Um, and um, many of the reasons that women wanted to have an abortion, that they said that, that why they were seeking abortion. So for example, financial reasons is one of the primary reasons women gave for wanting to have an abortion. Those reasons played out in the data. Um, and we found that women who were unable to obtain a wanted abortion were more likely to live in poverty. So, and, and we saw that pattern again and again for all of the reasons that women gave. Um, women said that they didn't want to have a baby with that partner. Um, and what we saw in the data was that women who were unable to get an abortion were tethered to the part, their partners, um, and in some cases, abusive partners. Um, so women are really the experts in their own lives. Um, and so when you ask about, you know, who I am and where I am in this right. conversation, I'm there, I'm in the data. Um, I'm, you know, I'm right now working on um, looking at questions of access to medication abortion. I come to it from a very intellectual place, and I'm also an abortion storyteller. I had an mm. abortion when yeah. I was 40, um, about five years ago now, and um, was very so clear. That's in the midst of the study. Yeah, I was. Yeah, this decision. I mean, it's yep. just fantastically ironic and amazing, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wow. And, uh, you know, I think some of your listeners might think, like, how could someone who, you know, studies abortion and knows the reproductive health so well, you know, have found herself pregnant um, unexpectedly? And, you know, that's what happens in life. Yeah. Unexpected things happen. Yeah. Um, you know, my, uh, in, you know, in, I've, uh, I, I don't know if you read my previous piece, but um in you know a huge irony, um, my husband was in the process of getting a vasectomy at the time that I got pregnant. I did not know that. Yeah, <laughs> in wow. fact, he had his vasectomy. I think about a week or so before my abortion. Mm -hmm. um, so we had already had that conversation. Already made the decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we were in that process of kind of you know coming to terms with the fact that our our family was complete and our yeah. reproduction was done. Yeah. Um, when I got pregnant. Um, and for us, it was a, it was an easy decision at the time. Um, yeah. We had teenage kids and I knew that, um, you know, that another baby would, 
would wreak havoc on, yep. you know, my ability to be present with my current kids and um, on my career and, you know, on my sleep. Yeah, <laughs> on right? all the things. Yeah, on all the things. Um, oh, I think amazing. that... I think that, um, you know, people always say, you know, that you learn to love another baby, a baby that you have unexpectedly. And that's totally true. Absolutely. And I remember when I was pregnant with my second child thinking I couldn't possibly love her as much as I love my first child. And then she was, of course was born and yeah. you have kids, you yeah, know how this works. Like, <laughs> yeah, you, you love them just as much. And I'm, yeah. and I am positive that that would have happened. And there's also, you have less time, right? Time is not infinite. Energy is not infinite. Yeah. Um, resources are not infinite. Yep. And your love might be, but those mm -hmm. other things aren't. Yeah. And many women like me make the decision not to have another baby for the sake of their existing children. Yeah. I think the under talked about conversation that I have a lot and I think I am living proof of is that I love who I term that baby as much as I love my other children. She's a part of my life in this work. <laughs> she is here in our family through this work. She is leaving her mark in this work and that doesn't yeah. make our relationship any more broken doesn't make our relationship any less amazing <laughs> like and that's not the case for all women who have abortions um yeah. which makes me and the conversation i'm having a little bit different in in the in the world of abortion talk but yeah i do love her i love her as much and she influences me every single day when i get on and i hit record and that's freaking amazing like, it doesn't mean that there's less love in my heart because I chose abortion. It means that I found a way to express that love in an unconventional un, uh, path, right? Yeah. And That's I think, crazy I mean, I, I, don't, I don't share that connection to, yeah. to that pregnancy um, the way that you talk about it. But I think many women do. And I think many people who have abortions, um, you know, feel... Uh, either at the, you know, wh whether it's at the time or later, feel connected to that, that being that, that was once in their body. And, and, and oftentimes, you know, what we heard was from women was that they made the choice for, for that baby, because they knew yeah. that they couldn't raise that baby the way that they wanted to, in the circumstances yeah. that they wanted to. And it was, you know, a decision. And, and that's the thing that I think politics, the political conversation about abortion misses so completely, is that people who are faced with this decision about whether or not to bring another child or a, a child or another child into the world are not doing it you know, flippantly for the most part, they're not doing, you know, they, not like, they oh, know let's their lives. See <laughs> how, what this ride is like. <laughs> yeah. You know, they, they know their lives. Yeah. I, uh, Diana says in the book that, you know, women, uh, when in the chapter about mental health, I think it is, 
that you know people make the decision to have an abortion not they don't do it because of their mental health necessarily they don't do it thinking about one specific thing they think about the context of their lives you know that's um and they do it they do the right thing for them at the time they do the right thing for their lives at the time um yeah i mean i i think it's crazy to even ask someone to expect someone to have an answer to why did you have an abortion because it's it's so complex like yeah. i had an abortion for financial reasons for career reasons for um family reasons for pure i like like you said in in the piece that i found you through i don't want to change poopy diapers again i don't want to be up at night again like pure lifestyle reasons so yeah it is it's yeah. so complex and there's so many layers and there's not one answer to why do women have abortions it's right yeah and that's definitely what we found and i mean that was certainly my experience it was complex um yeah. like like you and um that's what we found many women gave uh multiple reasons right because there's like not one reason um mm -hmm. Diana writes, I, li I like this part, she writes, women are resilient. Women don't often say they want an abortion for fear of what an unwanted pregnancy would do to their mental health, and mental health rarely seems to suffer, even when abortion is denied. You know, we, we found um, that, I mean, I think that was, that's one of the main, you know, takeaways from the study is that women's lives are complex. People's lives are complex. They are, they are dealing with multiple factors in making these decisions and and um and they know what's gonna happen right like they could like we could have talked to these thousand women and said what do you think the, the effect of having an abortion or or being denied an abortion would will be on women's lives and, and they, they would have told not. us exactly totally. <laughs> in totally. fact they did right we asked right off the bat like what are the reasons and they said these are the reasons and then yeah. we looked at you know five years of data and all those reasons were were right. you know played out in the yeah. data yeah so it's it's really even you know even the concerns about um the effects on their current children and the effects on um you know uh their ability to have wanted pregnancies later i mean we saw all of these these things play out. Um, it's super interesting. Um, and I feel like when I first heard, I think I first heard an NPR yeah. piece about the book. Yeah. Um, Diana was I, on Fresh Air. Yeah. So I heard yeah. a piece, and my big takeaway was like, we. I say in my work all the time, like life is fifty fifty. Like there, it's gonna be fifty percent positive, fifty percent negative, fifty percent hard, fifty percent amazing. However you wanna define that. And so, yeah, the effects of and tell me if I'm misunderstanding this, but the effects of having an abortion, there is more variance right away in the short term, but in the long term, like it it levels out like it it comes back to this place of like we're just all human living a human experience whether we choose it or not whether we had to have it or not like it's so complicated and in the end it's just another piece of being human yeah which is a full range of emotions and complications and beauties and all the things right it's like yeah I, I do have clients who come to me in regret and yeah. I, 
without denying their experience, I remind them that in their imagination now, they're thinking, if I had kept that baby, we would have this beautiful family and he or she would be sleeping in their bedroom and we would cuddle all the time and we, right? Like life would be amazing if I had kept that baby. Some women come to me thinking that and I remind them it would also be hard. It would also be it hard, does yeah. not deny your desire for that beautiful imagination you have, but it would also be hard. This is hard and it also gave you the freedom that you wanted. It, you know, right. it's like, it's just all the things all the time. <laughs> right. All the things all the time. Right. right? Exactly. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I agree with you that it's, you know, it's important to validate that experience. People do feel regret and people do feel sadness and grief and people also feel happiness and yeah. relief, you know, and, um, and those things can coexist. That's what's exactly. so cool about being That's human is like, you can, have, you can have all the things. Yeah. Um, about this one experience yeah. and that's okay. Um, yeah. And what I, you know, what I, what I, uh, what I like about Diana's work and, and other researchers, there's a wonderful bioethicist whose name is Katie Watson, who's mm. super smart and so great. You know, she talks a lot about, um, about uh, the dignity of risk, right? So like mm. we, as humans, like we take risks we risk being hurt. There's not, there's nothing about love that isn't about risk. There's nothing about any of the choices we make that aren't in part about risk. And, um, you know, in making an abortion decision, um, is similar, right? There's, there's risk in it. There's risk that you will be sad. There's risk that you will feel relief. There's risk that you will have this myriad of emotions and, and that does happen. And, and people are also resilient to that. People are allowed to take the risk that they will regret a decision. That is what yeah. being human is about. You know, and the I ability like to, to say, take that risk. And nothing has gone wrong. You may feel the shame. You may feel the grief. You may feel the bits of regret or, or full-on regret. And nothing has gone wrong. It doesn't have to mean that you made the wrong choice. It just means that, again... You're human. Life is complicated. Right. <laughs> There's so much more to live. There's right. so much more to experience. Um, well, yeah. even that, I mean, that's totally right, you know, um, and we see that in the data as well. Like even the people who have negative emotions and feel regret still say that it was the right decision for them. Totally. In fact, the vast majority of people yes. um, over the five years, say 95% overall said that the abortion was the right decision for them. So there's there's a recognition that there are these hard emotions yeah. sometimes, not for everyone, obviously, but sometimes, and and also that that was the best you did you could you did the best you could do in that moment, um, yeah. and made the best choice for you and your family in that moment. And what's hard, yeah. I think, about the abortion conversation is that there's so much judgment and shame, and um, you know attempts to like litigate or attempts to control our what we're supposed to feel what we're supposed to um how we're supposed to react and and how we can really 
operationalize our decision. You know, there's so many, so many attempts to control that decision, which, you know, is just, it, it, it doesn't exist that that attempt to control doesn't exist for making decisions about other things. Yeah. And I think that's what's hard. That's why you have your yeah. podcast. That's why, you know, there are other abortion podcasts. That's why there are abortion support hotlines. Um, because, you know, we put so much judgment on it. For people. Yeah. I Not think me. the other thing we forget <laughs> we the, to do. We in the large Totally. Scale. Yeah, I know. We hear you. We hear you. I put no judgment on it. <laughs> I think I can hear your earring clicking on the wire. Oh, I think. sorry. I think um, one thing we forget to do when we slip into those what if moments, those moments of what we may define as regret, we forget to go back to that moment and say, wait a second, you're, you're having these feelings as a different woman than you were then right? Like maybe now you've gotten out of the abusive relationship. Maybe now you got the job promotion, maybe, and you're looking back. But I think what many people forget to do is go back and realize that they did make the absolute perfect choice for that moment that they were in and the tools that they had. And if they went back there, they would make it again and again and again and again. Right. And it's too easy to look back and think if I had done it differently. Um, just like I look back and I think like, you know, about decisions about school or if I had become a midwife or if I had, you know, moved across the country or if I had lived in Europe for a year or if I had lived in New York City for a year, right? Like we, I mean, it's just, it's wasted energy really. So we can just. But also, also part of being human, right? Like, I mean, you look back on all sorts of decisions you've made on your life and wonder what would have happened if you'd made a different decision. And maybe even you have regret about not having done something one way or not having done something another way or having done it that way. But that's part, I think, of, of being, um, you know, being a, a, a conscious being. That's part of being um, able to hold all these emotions and, you know, having these, this complexity of experience and, and thought is being able to say, like, that would have been a different path. And... And I think that people, when, when, when tasked with actually going back to that moment and saying, like, was this actually the right decision at that moment? Would I do it the same way again at that moment? Almost everybody recognizes that yeah. it was. You know, most people know yeah, that it was. Absolutely. And, and it's also okay to wonder. Totally right? okay to wonder. Yeah. Totally 100% okay. And that's the thing. It's like nothing has gone wrong. Yeah. Your wonder does I, not mean anything has gone right. right. <laughs> when I wrote that piece, um, the piece that you alluded to in the beginning um, that I just read for you, uh, you know, I was getting ready to send my my firstborn off to college, and um, it was uh, it, which was really hard, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, which was really hard, and um, you know, and I thought a lot about at that time, you know, about what, um, having a, you know, I think the baby probably would have been like two or three or something. Yeah. About two or three. Um, and you know, what, what it would have been like to have like my high schooler and a two or three year old, um, you know, obviously not to replace my son who was going to college, but like to draw my attention away yeah. from the yeah. pain that that the was sadness causing. of the emptiness. Yeah. 
And of course, that's, you know, it, then I would have also had a three-year-old running around that I, you know, would have had to chase and would 50, have had to 50. change diapers and potty train and, you know, all these other things. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot, personally, my abortion was three years ago now. So yours was five years ago now. And I think, right? I just yeah, that yeah, five years ago, yeah. And I think a lot, like, thank goodness i do not have a fourth child in this pandemic thank <laughs> oh my god goodness <laughs> would not be not podcasting right now if you had a three-year-old fourth child in this pandemic oh my goodness <laughs> yeah. <sighs> all right well i have some questions for you i'm just curious like yeah. were you and diana friends like were you how did you get into abortion research? Like, how did that happen for you? How does someone just stumble into abortion research, which is <laughs> the most amazing thing, especially in this long, like, I mean, this study is just phenomenal. And the book is written in such a beautiful way that it's digestible, it's intelligent, it's human. Yeah. Um, it, it's just outstanding. So how does one land in oh, this... Yeah work like where does that evolve yeah I am um, I so I, I got a master's in public health from Columbia um, okay and um when I was when I was doing my master's I was lucky enough to work for an amazing um an amazing human rights lawyer named Lynn mm. Friedman and um at the time I was working on international um maternal mortality Um, and using human rights frameworks, um, to advocate for, um, better access to, uh, maternity care. Um, and of course, unsafe abortion is one of the leading causes of maternal mortality. Um, and, and that has changed a lot in the last 15 years since I was doing that work. I don't know that work as well now. But, um, you know, the introduction and the widespread use of um, mifepristone and misoprostol for, um, for early abortion, um, it has changed the landscape of unsafe, unsafe abortion yeah. in a lot of places, um, because now people can end their pregnancies with medication and, um, and don't have to, you know, the, the whole co- coat hanger in the back alley um, kind of model is yeah. not as prevalent as it used to be. Um, but certainly in some places where access to pills is harder, that is still you know, very much a leading cause of death. Mm-hmm. So I kind of got into abortion uh, kind of through the lens of maternal mortality. Um, and then, you know, I'm just, I'm a, I'm, a, um, I'm a project manager, you know, kind of by training. I never wanted to be, uh, you know, in, in the data, in the way that Diana is, Diana's very much, Diana's a demographer and loves to just like dig into the data. I liked, I liked having a, a more broad scope. Um, and so I do a little bit of everything, right. I, I hire and train people. I, I write budgets and, you know, I'll do a a whole bunch of uh, different things, figure out how to implement crazy ideas. Um, and so, uh, my family was thinking about relocating and I was looking for jobs and, and, you know, that there was this research manager position and, um, I, I asked a friend about it and, and I said, you know, I don't, I don't know anything about research. I don't, I, I, I think research is kind of like distant from the people that I want to help, um, yeah. in the world, you know, I want to make a difference in the world and, and research seems, you know, three steps removed. 
Yeah. And then when I met with Diana, it was very clear that this research wasn't like that, that this yeah. research, even though it was going to take a long time and it was going to be this, this massive project, that it was very grounded in women's experiences and people's experiences of having abortion and, and not being able to have abortion. And that, that the data that we generated from the project was going to make a huge difference. Um, and I think it has in a lot of ways, you know, I think the study has I think gotten, it has, but I think it's going to continue to. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it's yeah. really just the beginning yeah. of, of what it can create. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we've really made a huge step with this study toward dispelling the myth that abortion harms women. I mean, yeah. that is one of, yeah. that's the other takeaway, you know, that's kind of where we started in this conversation was about that key question. And, you know, the answer to that question is no, it yeah. is not. Um, uh, okay, I'm know. gonna argue with you for a second here, just for <laughs> kicks, right? And just say like, life harms women. This yes. is the 50-50, <laughs> like, so yes, abortion does harm women as much as it saves them, as much as it heals them, as much as it redeems them, as much as it gives them opportunity. So like, why are we even asking that question? Does abortion harm women? Like life harms people. It, it is part yeah. of the human experience. Right. So I'm not, right. I mean, I'm not like arguing with you. I'm just saying like, it's just so interesting to me that we ask that question in the first right. place. That we that have the to question is relevant that. at all. Like, right. why do we have to prove anything here? It's like, it is a part of the human experience. Can we just yeah. like, yeah. end of sentence. And like, I think it's important, I mean, you know, from a research perspective, totally, like 100%. putting my researcher hat back on, there's um, the alternative is not to not be in that position, right? The alternative isn't to magically make it all go away and exactly. be in a different position. The alternative is you either have an abortion and take on you know, all of the emotion and re regret, as we were just talking about, not for everyone, obviously, but for some people, to take on that risk or to take on the risk of having um, another child, bringing another child into the world. And you can't not have that choice, right? You can't just magically take that choice away. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and what we, you know, what we have to do from a research perspective is look at those two outcomes and how they affect people. And so, Absolutely. you know, to the question of how does abortion harm women? Um, no, we don't see lasting harm in mental health and physical health and, you know, in any of the ways. Um, and, and we do see lasting effects and lasting harm of the other yeah. option. You yeah. know, we do see long-term effects of having to carry an unwanted pregnancy to term. Um, yeah. And so, yes, like it, it, in some ways it's a silly question. No, but it's I'm, also I'm important. No, no, totally I, no I, I totally hear it from a human perspective. <laughs> I'm totally it's kind of a ridiculous you. question because mm -hmm. you're right. All yeah. sorts of things harm women. But, but especially given the like political, politicized oh nature of, you know. And that's the, why I appreciate this research so right. much. And that's why it sounds like you, you had the interest and the passion to take it yeah. on because it yeah. was not just yeah. numbers. It was yeah. not just like, it, it was a human study, which had to be done over 
the length of time that it was done. Yeah. I want to see more research. Um, and forgive me if I just haven't read enough of the book, but <laughs> you, no, no, I that, think it's that. a completely different study that is the next untalked about thing in motherhood is regret of having children yeah. and how many like and i'm not talking abortion like i, I mean like i want to take it away from that completely just like i thought i wanted kids and then they ruined my life like yeah that is not my case i'm not speaking my words at all <laughs> but so i do hear that from women and that is even more stigmatized and not yeah. talked about than abortion. Yeah. And so in Turnaway study, we did ask a question of the people who carried um, the people who care who you know were denied um, their yeah. denied yeah. their wanted abortions. And granted, these were people who chose these were not wanted pregnancies, right? These were I know. people who were so choosing abortions. I mean. So it's a little it's a totally bit different. different study, but it's but I hear what you're saying, yeah. But many people, you know, many people who then went on to have babies and to raise those babies, you know, obviously grew to love those babies. And, um, and some, and, you know, a small number of people still said years later that they wish they could have had the abortion. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, that is complicated because they love their babies. Yes. And um, people, I mean, if, if women weren't re re resilient to having babies they didn't want, uh, the entire human species would be, would, would be <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> totally. would collapse, right? Like yeah. women have had to have babies they didn't want to have for, for millennia. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, people are resilient to that. Families yes. are resilient to that and, Absolutely. and people bounce back and, yeah. you know, it does have lasting effects and in all sorts of ways, economically, in terms of relationships, in terms of the other kids, um, in terms of their own health. Um, and I think you're right. Like, again, this goes back to, you know, uh, talking about regret and how we think about whether people should regret things or not. You know, like, of course, th there are people who at any given moment regret having made the decision to have children. Yeah. And also, they love their children. Like, those totally. things can coexist, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, if I had to do it, I wouldn't do it again. I love my children. I hear, I'm here for my children. Or I don't, and I'm not. <laughs> That's a, another population. But yeah, and if I had to go back, I wouldn't do it again. Like, yeah. and that's, that's a really hard to say thing to say when you have a, you know, a teenager in front of you or a young adult in front of you. <laughs> Actually, like, it's a little right? easier to say when you have a teenager <laughs> yeah, in front yeah. of you. Good, <laughs> good point, good point. You have yeah, a cute I little six-month-old or <laughs> right. a full-grown adult who's making a difference in the world. Right. Right. But this is the same, this is the Just, equivalent question to like, was it the right decision at the time, right? Like, you know, you can say like, man, my life would have been so much better in so many ways if I had not had children, right? I, I would have so much more money. I would have had so many more opportunities. I could have done all these things that I want to do. My children have, you know, hemmed me in in ways that, um, that that I regret, that I that I mourn. Um, and if and. I had it to do over again, <laughs> I probably would still make the decision to have children. Yes. You know, I love them, and they're such a, um, you know, they're such a yeah. joy, and they're such they they're my heart. And, oh my god, I know. You know, 
and and so I think it's I think it's the same kind of question I do yeah I do see those other paths I see the brilliance of them I see the the potential of those other paths and also yeah. you know the path I'm on is the path I'm on and there's yeah. brilliance in it too yeah can someone write a book just called and <laughs> <laughs> All the things and all the things. And. <laughs> this is really amazing. And it's really hard. Yeah. I re yeah. regret my decision. 50, 50. And I'm so glad I made it. 50-50. Yeah. 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 And I mean, there's no one right way to be human. And that's what, that's what I hope the message I keep sending is. There's no one right way to feel about your abortion or someone else's abortion. No. And, you know, I had this conversation with my husband yesterday because we really got into like some stuff we don't have time for right now on this podcast. <laughs> um, but I was thinking about the political climate right now and how so much of politics literally to me feels like a violent act against humanity. And so how do you treat someone with, with respect as another human being when they're making these choices that are violently dangerous for other human beings and it it asked me to look at how do i want people to treat me even though they completely disagree with me about abortion right like so so again this is like a much bigger conversation but it just all of these things are asking us to answer the question what does it mean to be human yeah. and have human experiences. Yeah. I've been listening to some um, lectures that uh, Loretta Ross is has been oh. giving. Uh, she wrote a wonderful piece in the New York Times um, not too long ago about calling in versus calling out. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, she's a, she's an amazing thinker and, um, and speaker. And, you know, one of the mothers of reproductive justice and, yeah and a, you know, a social justice warrior, really. Um, and, you know, I think that, like, this is, um, we, we've become so accustomed to calling out on Facebook for all, you know, or on Facebook or on, on Twitter or wherever, oh, yeah. and, you know, all this, all this sort of shame-based approaches to trying to get people to think the way you think. And, um, and, and I, I mean, I am definitely, you know, I definitely do it too. And I know um, me too. And, I mean, that's and, what's and the like... idea of calling in people who, whose, whose, whose ideas about, particularly about abortion, I find really objectionable. It's hard. It's hard to think about that. And yeah. it's also, I think, really important to think about how we change the tenor of the conversation because it is about people's lives, right? Yeah. This research, this book, um, the data, what it's really about is people's lives, right? And yeah, and not assuming you know better what's right for someone. It just right. come back, comes back to what you said at the very beginning. Women are the expert in their own lives. People are the experts in their own yeah. lives. Yeah. Totally. And people know the circumstances of their lives. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so... Oh. What does that mean in today's politics? <laughs> I don't know. Let's all just ponder <laughs> it. Let's all just ponder it. It's been so amazing to have you. Is there anything oh, else you, so you want to share 
you feel like someone listening needs to hear before we close? Oh man, that's putting a lot of pressure on my. It is so still. much pressure, and you don't have to answer. You can just say, "I said it all." Like, I'm... <laughs> well, I just want to thank you for um, for having these conversations and for the way that you approach these conversations because um, I do think it's um, too rare that we that we treat people who have abortions um, and people in general with the with that with with kid gloves around that complexity, right? Just, um, it's all the things. And so thank you for, for doing this and for approaching it in the way that you do, um, and for adding to the conversation, um, to make it more human because, you know, it is about people's lives. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It was really nice to talk oh, to good. you. You too. And I look forward to continuing to get to know you and your work and um, all the incredible spaces that you're, that you're in. Well, great. Yeah, okay. definitely. Bye-bye. Hit me up anytime. Oh my gosh. Don't so say much. that. I will. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Have a good rest of your day. You too. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.